Welcome, everybody. This is Satanists on Cinema. Mm-hmm. We're your hosts, Satanist Cameron John and Reverend Campbell. <coughs> <coughs> of course, I'm going to fucking cough as I start. Sir coughs a lot over yeah. here. God fucking douche. <laughs> Anyways, Satanists on Cinema is a film review and commentary series that proves all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Today, we're giving you our spoiler-filled review of The Shining. While we just, or while we are all in isolation, let's watch our inevitable future in this prophetic, timeless film. Mm-hmm. I love me some of The Shining, and I don't care who knows it. I I totally watched it today. This is my first time. I, in all transparency, I've never finally. Oh, it's crazy! <laughs> it's like I should have seen it for some fucking reason. Just in but time. I, I don't know. Show. What a coincidence. Yeah. I watched it again this morning for sure, and I don't I don't know if I just never every time I watch it I pick up new things. Oh yeah, it's, it's but a I fucking Kubrick movie definitely picked up some new stuff like extra footage in the show I watched this morning. So I don't know if like my version was the edited version that like cut out twenty seven minutes for theaters, or if what. But like the one I just watched this morning had extra footage I'd never noticed before. So I don't know if I just. Didn't notice it, or huh. if it was new. Like when I don't, don't want to. We haven't even started the show. I don't. No, wait fuck it. Yet. Just go ahead and get into it. So you guys like are watching. When, you Jack, when they're in uh, Jack's working space, and mm-hmm. he's like approaching Wendy, and uh, he's like, "Don't you? You're? Are you concerned at all about me?" And like that beginning of that scene, he's approaching her from right in front of the table of the uh, his his workspace, his, mm-hmm. his typewriter, and she's like backing up, starting to get hysterical, but not quite with the bat. They haven't gone to the stairs yet. It cuts to the blood washing through the elevator room and like floating chairs and stuff, which I never noticed before. Like in the middle of him talking. I never seen that before yeah so like the version i saw was on google play it's the extended like the long version like 147 or something minutes um but it's it's got some extra little like little tasty tasty bits in it which uh i enjoyed (laughs) i fucking my mind is blown yeah i didn't know that there was a different version watch me watch the regular version uh, and see that there is no actual difference. <laughs> but I do know that. Well, they, no, because I don't. There are many edited versions of this film out. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I've yeah, like I've seen it numerous fucking times, mm. and <coughs> like literally just watched it. Like I finished maybe fifteen minutes ago. Oh wow! And yeah, I didn't see that shit. Man, okay. Well, you should watch the Google Play version. Yeah, good to know. It's different. Um, okay, everyone, uh, this show is clearly brought to you by COVID-19. Yes, <laughs> Thank clearly. You, <laughs> Fucking Christ. Let me give a quick shout out to the people in chat. Sean, good to see you, man. Dog, what up? Valeria, how you doing? Hey, Aaron, what's up? Marty, how are you? Satanic Preacher, what up? Kenneth, how you doing? Lauren, it's good to see you. No XN for me. All right. Well, good to Bad, see you. None of that for you. Matthew, how's well, it thanks going, for man? being here. <laughs> and, uh, Bill, thanks for joining us. And anyone else after the fact who, uh, oh, no name. That's what that's supposed to be? No X name for me? All right. I can't do license plates either, so don't feel bad. It's, yeah. it's me. It's not you. <laughs> um, for anyone jumping in after the fact, if you've never seen The Shining, too fucking what the late. Fuck? You've had a chance. You've had all of your life which you should have filled at least a quarter with having watched it over and over again. 
because yeah, it's, this is such a good show. It's been out 40 fucking years. Yeah. If I can have watched it seven times in the last year, I think you could have watched it once. Yeah. Yeah. So, Especially with Dr. Sleep having just been released. I know! I like, we had you. to do that the night before. Because, yeah. fuck. Yeah. Alright, well, let's get into what this show's all about for those of you who may not know, and just for us to talk about it. So, this is the 1980 psychological horror film by Stanley Kubrick, based after a Stephen King novel. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> Loosely. Mostly. Kind of. <laughs> like, all of the settings are almost the same. <laughs> there's, there's, we're going to go over some of the glaring differences oh, uh, eventually. But, again, it is inspired by it. So if you've ever... Well, if you've never read or listened to the novel, you really are doing yourself a disservice. Go to the library, mm -hmm. put it on order, you'll get it quick. It is great. It is really good. But there are glaring differences that make you wish that he would have stayed closer to the novel, but then you watch the film and it's so beautiful that you're like, oh, you know what? I, I can I can love them both. I don't mm -hmm. have to choose a child. They're both my children, right? Now, okay, my question for you is, did you watch it before you read it or did you read it before you watched it? I I definitely watched it before I read it because I was a kid when the book was released and mm -hmm. I was a slightly older kid when the movie was released. So, yeah, it's like there was a three-year difference between the two. Yeah. There's but. no way I would have been able to read that. It was circling around my house. Like, mm -hmm. my older sister read it, my mom read the book, um, but I was just too young. So, gotcha. You know. Yeah, see, I, I have the same way. I watched it before I read it. Mm -hmm. um, like, admittedly, I just barely read it maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. So, relatively recently. Still. Yeah. Still. It's a great book. Yeah, you need Nothing to fucking read it. it. I feel like if you enjoyed the movie, you have to read the book just because you get to live in that world a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I love about it. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot like the difference between Game of Thrones, which you won't understand this reference, but the Game of Thrones series versus the Game of Thrones novels. Mm -hmm. There are pretty big differences, but... If you consume both of those media, then you get to live in that world a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Well, I dig that. I like that. So that's what I do. Um, heard uh, Kelly or Shelley Duvall had a fuck of a time during filming. Is that what you're referring to? Because, yes, she did. <laughs> she was tortured. What? Actually, everyone was tortured, to be yeah, fair, because Kubrick is a madman when mm -hmm. it comes to filming. He did so many takes of every damn scene, asking for different ways to be done or the exact same way over and over and over again. And he was trying to get them to such a stress-filled state during filming that it would be the next level hysteria and madness mm -hmm. when you saw it on the screen. And if you watch the Shelley Duvall scene when Jack Torrance is coming towards Wendy, telling her, no, sweetheart, no, I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't yeah. let me finish. I said I wasn't gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your fucking brains yeah. in. Yeah. There was, there is her face, her entire persona, everything about her is pure horror, mm -hmm. and it is so great. And if she wasn't driven mad uh, by the director, I don't know if they would have gotten that no, scene from her. There's no way in hell that like, reaction. That's he's he's one of those people that could command a specific performance mm -hmm. like no other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if you can do it from AI, from 2001 Space Odyssey, and just be like, look, Hal, I'm going to need another take from you, and this time with feeling. Or actually, yeah. this time without feeling. Okay, that was a nerdy fucking 
stupid reference. Uh, you know what? If, if nobody's seen 2001, they need to stop watching this. Well, I guess if you're watching it live, don't stop watching <laughs> yeah. it because we need the people to tune in because otherwise then we're just weird. Yeah. Um, but you got to fucking see it. Like, go through all of Kubrick's filmography. It's the man's fucking gold. genius. It is full like, of gold. <clears throat> it's just fucking perfect. All right. So uh, we're going to spew all over Kubrick here throughout this entire series, I'm sure, show, I'm sure. Um, but I want to talk about the music really quick because the repertoire of the music was all selected by Kubrick. Mm-hmm. But he allowed, um, I'm looking for the name, Gordon Stainforth. Sounds like I'm saying it wrong. Uh, no, the I think music that's right. editor to completely pair up musical selections with scenes in the editing room. And holy hell, has there ever been a greater music to scene companionship than in The Shining? No, probably not. I can't like imagine. It is. I mean, we've said this a few times with mm-hmm. a lot of movies because, I mean, it is true. <clears throat> but the score is the fourth member of the family. Yeah. Plain and simple. Like, it is there throughout everything and it informs the entire movie. Like, it's. Yeah. If he hadn't straight up jacked a bunch of shit and threw it in there. Like, I don't think the movie would be what it is today. Yeah. Cause that's, that's one thing I thought was hilarious when I was doing a little bit of research today while watching it is they actually didn't have a lot of the rights for some of the music. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's they threw it in the, the movie and everything was, was fine. Out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why the soundtrack was like, nah. Yeah. It- <laughs> I like how you're muting the coughing. Um, I, I'm trying, I'm trying. Yeah. When and, and it's different. So normally in a film, the music is a sort of a bed that's going mm-hmm. to help inform how you as the viewer are supposed to feel. In The Shining, the music is a freight train running over you, yeah. backing back and then running over you again, just forcing you to completely uh, bend to its whim. Like, oh, you yeah. don't get a choice of, oh, I should probably be feeling a certain way. No, no, no. It forces you. Like, mm-hmm. I feel violated listening, in a good way, yeah. <laughs> listening to this soundtrack. It is, if, on opening scene, too. Like, when you're getting that overhead shot of um, that huge lake and the drive up to the mm-hmm. overlook with the score going over it. Or when Danny is running or driving his little big wheel through the hotel on carpet, off carpet, on carpet, off carpet. And then behind that, you have this crazy, freaky, behind it. Like, what the So goddamn beautiful. No one would have paired that in their right mind. No, absolutely not. (laughs) Especially the fucking opening shot. Like, that that helicopter Mm -hmm. camera. It's beautiful. It's like... You would expect something that's light and airy and just kind of gives you a sense of false security because there's nothing fucking scary about any of that. Yeah. Like, even when he gets to the hotel, nothing scary about that. It's just beautiful. It makes you want to be there. But, yeah, that fucking score is just like, nope, you're going to be scared this whole fucking time. Mm-hmm. You're going to expect a monster to jump out and get you. <laughs> yeah. This is, that's an, you bring up an interesting point because I was watching it today thinking, in a very distinct part of the film, I was like, okay, this is when it got scary. But before that, it was never scary at all to me. It, it just took a complete hard left turn into Terrorville. 
And I know where I think it is, but I'm wondering where you think that left turn is. Because, again, everyone has a different perception of things. Um, what, when did this turn from a suspense to a straight-up horror or a thriller? Honestly, for me, it's really early on. It's when Danny is brushing his teeth. Oh. Like, that whole scene. Right. Well, I mean, that's fucking scary. Like, I mean, I'm not a parent, mm -hmm. but if I had a kid... <coughs> Sorry, wasn't fast enough that time. Um, <laughs> if I had a kid, that fucking terrified the hell out of me. I mean... Okay. You know, it just... Like, that's when you know shit is serious. Like, the kid's getting hurt from the get-go. Nothing's safe in this movie. Interesting. I didn't pick that out at all. Like, even as a parent, I was just like, okay, well, this tells us that these characters... Um, they've experienced trauma, which is a great development tool. Now I'm excited to know where it goes and how it informs the character in the film. Because that's our first introduction to Danny. Oh, yeah, we, we didn't even say it. Okay, so let, let me go run through the cast really quick, and then we can get right back to this exact spot yeah. here. Okay, so again, brilliant film, brilliantly cast, brilliantly scored. It was produced and directed by Stanley Kubrick, co-written with novelist... Diane Johnson, starring Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance, Shelley Duvall as Wendy Torrance, Danny Lloyd as Danny Torrance, and Scatman Crothers as Dick Motherfucker, I love that name. I wish he was alive and because he's I got, hang out with him. He's got the voice of somebody. Like, you hear that name, you just imagine that's the kind of voice he'd have. Mm -hmm. Fucking mm. you. <laughs> he's the best, dude. I, I love is. him in this film so much. Um, almost, uh, I love him almost as much as the <laughs> black exploitation painting behind his bed of the oh my god every time beautiful I see that black shit. woman with the fro oh my gosh i need those both yes. of them <coughs> yes yes underworld amusements actually released um i'm trying to remember the name of it but it's an old collection i think it's like bronze beauties or something like that but it's just a bunch of black pinup art um and it's great. It How is the fuck great. do I not have this? <laughs> no, dude. Jesus I can, Christ. I'll show you the, the title of it specifically when I when we're off. So uh, All right, it's, cool. it's great. It's absolutely great. Okay. So that's the cast. Uh, this is the first moment that we're actually getting to meet Danny Torrance. And then what follows is the setup of who Jack actually is. Because we never knew that. You know, we met Jack at his job interview having zero clue he's an author okay he wants to work up here for peace and quiet because he's got a, a mental block which i don't even think they address initially he's just no. saying he wants to finish his book or something like that um very nebulous i don't even think he said that he just has writing he has to do right right and so the, the whole profession on his side we don't know anything about him other than his wife is a huge book lover and will love to be able to come up here and read scary stories because once he was informed about the murder, he thought it would be very fascinating for her. And then we get to see their son have a, a seeming like a, a um, just faint. He had a, a, an episode, as they call it. The doctor comes in and then we get to realize, oh, whoa, whoa, this nice guy who we just met who's going to be taking over this overlook. No, no. He was an alcoholic. He ripped his son's arm nearly out of his socket one night, which stopped, made him stop drinking. So not only do we get to see, hey, this kid is traumatized. Now we get to see, well, maybe this is where the trauma originated from. Mm -hmm. And the guy we thought was this friendly, nice old guy has got a dark side that he's trying oh, yeah. to subdue. And anyone... And that had... is the first major goddamn discrepancy or like issue I have with the movie versus the book. Go on. Well, because he breaks his fucking arm in the book. Yeah. 
Like, he full-on grabs that shit and snaps his arm in half. Jack in the book is a much more vicious man. Oh, God, he's fucking evil. Like, raging alcoholic and stuff. There's a lot of discrepancies between the two, but um, I can can do the mental jumps just for the sake of um, Jack Nicholson. (laughs) I mean, you don't get better than that. See, and I fucking think that shit is hilarious. Like, total sidebar here. Like, I... I've always thought that if Jack Nicholson wasn't a thing, Jeffrey Combs would be the Jack Nicholson of that whole era. Interesting. Because the acting styles are so fucking similar. They're both so expressive and so intense in the face Mm -hmm. that I just think it's funny. You're like, I fucking hate Jeffrey Combs. Fuck that guy. Oh, well. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, whatever. I, I just think Jack Nicholson is one of my favorite, at, like, old oh, yeah, no, actors of all time. Amazing. Um, so I just, I can't imagine seeing him in anything or, or seeing anyone play Jack Torrance like he did. And, and that's mm-hmm. why I love so much uh, in Doctor Sleep when they had a Jack Torrance. They didn't try to spoof oh. um, the actual Jack Nicholson portrayal. They just said, okay, well, we're just going to have to have him be the character because, quite frankly, no one can do a Jack Nicholson. No, I know people think not. it's great to do little comedy bits on it, but Jack Nicholson then is it's a fucking one character, and that's stupid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he owns this fucking role so well. I mean, we're going to so get to it in a second, but there's a point in the film where it's a pure master class in acting, and it's all mm-hmm. performed by Jack Nicholson. So we'll get to that right. in a second. Um... Yeah, and so that's why, you know, that, that scene didn't really terrorize me initially. Um, I just thought it was a great way to set up who these characters actually are, their demonic selves, as opposed to their apparent selves, to <laughs> reference some lesser magic uh, re- uh, terms there, uh, LeVay's body synthesizer. Um, so uh, I, I want to do a little bit of about, um, a little backup here before we start diving into the story, because there's a couple other notes that I wanted to talk about here. Um, the reason why some of this footage, some of these scenes were so powerful, I think, is because of the new Steadicam mount that was released and that they really used to their advantage, like that following Danny behind the big wheel down the hallways of the Overlook. Like, oh, yeah. that was all just a dude behind him, you know, being pushed along with him. And it's that sort of first person feel of witnessing it rather than you know a, a, a static cam at the end of the hall where danny comes toward him or on the other side where he you know goes away from him or in the middle where he passes by like you're following him through hallways oh, yeah. and and that there's a power in that as an oh, experience absolutely. that you don't get <coughs> otherwise and so without well, there... that steady cam i think it would have it would have been less of a film well and it's it... It's one of those things that I think a lot of people take for granted because um, it's so commonplace nowadays for stuff like this. I mean, you can buy a fucking Steadicam mount for your goddamn phone, mm-hmm. like for a couple hundred bucks. It's not a big deal anymore. But I mean, this is 1980. This was shooting in 1979. The Steadicam was developed two fucking years ago at this point, three years ago, by L- um, ILM. Like it's it's insanely new technology, and not a lot of people were using it, mm-hmm. but you get shots like the one that always, like, still to this day gets me. Like, probably one of my favorite scenes for no other reason that's just beautiful is when Dick comes back to the hotel and is trying to find Danny and Wendy. And you're just following him down the hall. 
and like usually something like that, it feels like a dolly track. Yeah. Um, so of course it would be knees up, like you wouldn't see anything higher than that because you don't want to get the the track in this scene. Yep. But it is like you're seeing him foot down, just tromping, and it's just the most beautifully shot fucking scene. Mm-hmm. It's so intense. I mean, the the location is everything. <laughs> the overlook is so powerful that I almost think the overlook itself cursed dr sleep because that's when that's all the criticism you get from dr sleep is oh finally we get to go back to the the overlook they they ruined it by only you know waiting till the last few you know 20 minutes or something that's how it is in the book (laughs) no it totally is i agree but but the the people who say that they're just reacting to the power that this location has and the connection they have of that power with the story itself which yeah i gotta be honest in this first book it is a character. It's mm-hmm. it's the 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 inciting element that changes all characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the point of development that they all have to go through, both good and bad. But it is not the entirety of the story. It's the family unit that's the story. The atmosphere, even you know, the house is a character unto itself. But it's it's also the setting. And so I think because it's so powerful it just sort of resonated with people and just, they hung on to it. So they heard that there was going to be a sequel to the shining. And they're like, Ooh, more overlook. Mm-hmm. It's just dumb. Anyway. Yeah. People need to read. Um, I wanted to go back and, uh, touch on, Oh, really quick. And tw- I'm sorry. I'm jumping all around in 2018. The film was selected for preservation in the United States national film registry by the library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And I would I say, George check, is going to pull it out and check. change it. What's that? So I wonder when George Lucas is going to pull it out and change it. <laughs> that motherfucker touches us, I'll kill him. i kill him. Uh, the logline of this film, since we skipped over that too, is a family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings of both past and present, uh, past and future. Uh, so as far as ratings upon release, it got an 8.4 on IMDb out of 10. In Rotten Tomatoes, it's 85% certified fresh with a 93% audience score. And I think every one of those is low. Because yeah, this, it's way too goddamn low. This film is, is infinitely better than it is reviewed by most yeah. people, even when it's glaringly positive. There's something emotionally resonant in this film with me. And I don't know if it means that I'm damaged <laughs> or if I'm picking up on something that some people don't. But whatever the reason, I love this film so damn much. It's like a perfect film for me. Yeah. Well, I agree 100%. Um, so for me, the, the point where it, it turned from uh, a very interesting film into a horror film, and this is going to be late for a lot of people, is um, when Danny walks up to his mom who's sleeping, picks up the butcher knife, and she, as she's like standing over her sleeping, just going, Red Red uh, no, and then he cut, s- runs his thumb across okay. it to cut himself. Didn't see any blood. Then went over the wardrobe, grabbed the lipstick, and then wrote "red lump rum" on the the door right next to her sleeping. I can totally see that because I mean that is like that's like the final fucking moment. You know, mm-hmm. shit is flipping, and then that's when you see all the dead bodies, see the ghosts and shit. I I can I can appreciate. Yeah, that's it. where that's where Torrance goes full crazy because mm-hmm. up until that point he was almost there he was really close he was threateningly close 
but that was like the point mm. where everything went crazy. Like if, if Danny didn't wake her up then, Jack would have bust through that door and like grabbed her ass mm-hmm. and just murdered her right there in the bed. Like I don't oh, yeah. like I don't know. But I mean there's a lot of scary moments before that. But that's where your blood starts pumping and your heart starts racing and you, you know the adrenaline starts filling you. You're just like, "Oh shit." Not to mention the creepiness of a little kid shouting red rob red rob red rob it's just the, and he, the way that that actor did it um the voice that he used was just crazy scary like how oh, do yeah. you get that performance yeah kids are fucking inherently terrifying i think <laughs> so he just he just used it yeah uh okay so I don't know. Do we want to do a walkthrough of the whole film? Do we want to talk about um, some of the major plot points? Do we want to talk about the differences between the novel and the film? What do you want to do from here? Um, fuck, I don't know, because I want to talk about the differences, but yeah, it's like it kind of almost wouldn't make sense to talk about the differences until we talk about the movie. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> do you want to... Between coughing fits... <laughs> Do you want to talk? Do you want to give a, a rundown of the synopsis, or do you want me to do it, or what do you want to do? Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. For some reason, Skype's showing me that I'm muted. Um, yeah. No, I can do a quick rundown. Um, so, I mean, just like the logline says, they go up into the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, what happens, and nothing's really said, but Jack doesn't have a job anymore. He was a teacher in Chicago. Then they moved out to Denver, and now he's just a writer. So he takes his job under, you know, direction of his friends, and they're going to be spending five months up in, um, oh, fuck. What do they call it in the movie? The Overlook? What do you mean? No, no, no I was talking about the part of Colorado. Oh, whatever. They're going to the Overlook. I don't right. remember what part of fucking Colorado it is. <clears throat> um, and... Ultimately, they're going to be there from October until May, right? I think that's what they said. Yeah, May 1. Back up. Um, and everything starts off great. Uh, first month they're there, they're just fucking loving it. I mean, they've got this entire beautiful hotel to themselves, uh, fully stocked kitchen, fully stocked pantry. Like, that's pretty fucking tits in my book. They took the booze away, though. They did so. take the booze away because of insurance reasons. Yeah, I get it. Which but... I, I totally get it, too. I mean, you're locked up for somewhere for five fucking months, and you got unlimited booze. Eh, yeah. You can get really drunk and do some stupid shit. Even just being quarantined for a few months now, you know, a couple months now, having to buy your own liquor, it's still challenging. So, Dude. <laughs> if it was just a, a stocked bar, I would never leave that, that ballroom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know how... I mean, I'm going on week three right now, and I don't know how I haven't been drunk by, like, 12 in the afternoon. Yeah. And it eludes me. It's, yeah. I need to change that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. Okay, so, anyways, um, and, and one thing I do like about the movie is the abrupt stops and ex- explanation of time, um, which, that's how I knew that was the first month. It was great. Mm-hmm. But then, after that, that's when things start getting a little rough. Uh, Jack starts having issues with sleep. He can't fucking write. Um, you know, they're getting cabin fever. There's three of them stuck up in the middle of nowhere. Just them. Yeah. Um, and then it's just a, 
a slow spiral down from there. Um, <coughs> Danny starts to uh, pick up on the spirit. Well, okay, so I guess it's not really the spirit of the hotel, but the spirits in the hotel. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think that really comes across in the movie. No, it's it, in the book. I don't because, think it's supposed to. Yeah, fucking Kubrick. Goddamn genius. <laughs> um, <coughs> so he starts to you know, figure out what's going on. Oh, and he's psychic. I guess mm-hmm. I probably should have said that. He's fucking psychic. You guys haven't seen this shit. What the fuck's wrong with um, <coughs> Anyways, that's basically when start everything starts to go downhill. Um, the the real catalyst of when everything just goes to shit is when he, you know, against Dick Halloran's advice, goes to room 237. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's just fucking cruising around the halls on his three-wheeler. And room 237 is open, which it's not supposed to be. And he gets attacked by one of the spirits of the hotel, goes downstairs to get his parents, and he's just fucked up. He's not talking. He's got strangle marks. His clothes are all fucked. And that's when Wendy's like, you fucking did this to him. You did it again, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And that's when the family really separated. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, up until that point, and and... Really, their portrayal of the characters are are very interesting compared to the books. We already talked a little bit about uh, Jack Torrance. Um, But Wendy is very different in the book than she is in the film. But I think in the context of the the way that it was edited together in the narrative that um, uh, Kubrick is trying to tell this particular story in the way he does, I think it's important to have a Shelley Duvall version of Wendy uh, that is very much timid, and, you know, she's like a, an abused animal um, that wants, loves the idea of being in a relationship more than the actual abusive relationship she's in. Um, and so she's doing everything she can to kind of keep working and, and trying to bring Jack into that, you know, mother-son dichotomy um, and just failing over and over again, just failing as he's like, well, you know, you know, she asked, uh, will you take us for a walk? It's beautiful outside. And he's like, well, I should probably get some rotting done first. And then as soon as he's in there and she brings him some food, he just snaps at her because he's slowly being, and this is the way the, the film is presenting it, which is a little bit strange is that the film presents it where you don't know if it's the hotel until the very end. You think maybe he's just insane. It, it has nothing to do with the hotel, possibly. Maybe it all is completely insane until that room moment. And then you're like, oh, no, there's something else at play here. Like, it was hinted at. It was suggested before that. And there's some weird things that happen in experiences, but that was the moment. All right, we clearly have a Skype issue right now. Are you there? Yeah, there you are. Hey, I'm I got back. you. <laughs> you're back. Um, and so, it, yeah, it, it wasn't until that moment of uh, Danny being assaulted in the room that you are confirmed, okay, there is something else in this hotel. And then it's not even whether it's the hotel or the inhabitants of the hotel, the ghosts of the hotel. Um, at, or as Halloran you know, beautifully compares uh, the shine um, to uh, the smell of toast, burnt mm-hmm. toast that's in the room. You know, I mean, it's it's uh, it's like a, a bad memory as he's trying to present it so that he doesn't terrify Danny. Yeah. Very interesting, though. Um, so uh, that's the moment where the family unit shifts immediately, and it's Jack against Wendy and Danny. 
And um, Jack kind of reverts to his old ways where he walks into the ballroom and he's like doing his best to keep himself together. I mean, there has to be an element of himself that he sees like, I'm, I'm losing it. But mm -hmm. goddamn, if I just had a drink, it would help me clarify everything. I could just work through all this anxiety. It would help me understand. He's like, that fucking woman of mine keeps blaming me for this shit. And I didn't do a goddamn thing. It's the world against Jack. And then he sits down and he looks up and he sees Lloyd. <laughs> and everything snaps from that point on. Best from... goddamn bartender from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine. <laughs> Portland, Oregon, for that matter. <laughs> Thank you for saying so, sir. Fuck. <clears throat> that Not scene bad. where he's talking to um, uh, Lloyd, the bartender, about how he hurt his son mm. is, in my opinion, a masterclass in acting. He is so brilliant in that scene, Jack Nicholson. Um, I, I'm just... I can't look away at anything else. When it cuts from mm -hmm. him to the bartender, I get angry because I want to keep staring at Jack Nicholson's performance. Yeah. It is so brilliant. So funny. Um, okay, and then, uh, you know, uh, Wendy comes running in with her bat. Crazy. It's <laughs> the funniest fucking line, too. Because he just had a moment where he literally loses his mind. 100% mm -hmm. he is fucking cuckoo. Oh, yeah. She runs in frantic. <gasps> Jack! Jack! There's someone else in the hotel! Jack! Grabs him, like shakes him a little bit to shake him out of his insanity, and he turns to her looking at her, and she's like, there's someone else in the hotel! He's like, are you out of your fucking mind? How do you not crack so up laughing good. on that fucking line right there? Because he literally has lost his fucking mind in the second oh, yeah. before that. And then he turns and sees her frantically admitting to what he already has to know is going on and he's like you've lost your fucking mind <laughs> and it's so beautiful too because the the fucking look in his eyes like it's is it insanity mm. is he actually drunk did he somehow get drunk it's just so fucking perfect dude the mind is a uh, terrible terrible thing it will convince you absolutely of anything <laughs> i was given what i was told was drugs in high school and oh. i acted like they were drugs we're not drugs. I was just being fucked with. But I felt it. Like, I really yeah. felt it. <laughs> I, I, I've been lucky on that end. I, all the drugs that I've been giving were actual drugs. <laughs> Some of them weren't the drugs that I thought they were, but they were definitely yeah. drugs. No, I, I've been there, too. Where you, uh, I, Especially, like, there's a period, and I, I'm sure it still goes on, but there's a period in, my, in that group that I was sort of kicking the tires around where they like to lace their weed. And they would never tell anyone. Yeah. I, uh, I, I hit it once, and it, it was like... Anyway. Yeah, that's the first time me. I smoked PCP. <laughs> well, first. That's the only time I've ever smoked PCP. Let me, let me rephrase that. Yeah. That wasn't fun. Yeah. No. What the hell is going on in the chat room? You guys are talking about Satanic Bible. Alright. Someone can mute that dude if you want. We, you don't need to have a philosophical conversation that has nothing to do with the show. Do um, I need to jump in and start talking some shit? Yeah, man, can, we gotta do like I a Donald Duck fist fight. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so uh, uh, that's when Jack goes up to the room to check it out, right? Uh, and he tells Wendy mm. to get Danny and stay in their little sweet area. Mm. Um, they He goes into that room and he sees this beautiful woman walk out of the tub 
and like sort of pull him into a kiss and he's like digging this kiss and then he opens his eyes and it's this wretched old woman who's rotting who just starts hysterically laughing at him and he's just like shocked and stunned he's like oh i can't believe this is real how is this even happening didn't question the beautiful woman but the ugly one now things are wrong i mean you're already there you're already insane <laughs> Enjoy the ride, Fucking man. Fucking just do it. He's at Whiskey Dick Point anyway. He's out of Exactly. <laughs> just close your eyes and pretend you can't smell the rotted flesh. Or smell the rotted flesh if you're into that kind of shit. <laughs> We're not here to kink shame. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, so, so he goes back uh, to the uh, suite and tells her, no, I didn't see anything. I think he did it to himself. <laughs> Are you out of your That's mind? so good. So good. No, I think he did it to himself. And she's just like, what? <laughs> just like, what? I don't understand what the fuck. Um, and this is where, the, you know, they, they truly start separating. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that's when uh, he goes down uh, or sort of disappears, roaming the halls and stuff, uh, and ends up in his writing room, if I'm remembering correctly. I, I get the, the sequences mixed up at this point, um, even though I did just watch this fucking film. Uh, and then she... Uh, eventually comes down with the bat to say, look, I need to get Danny out of here. Like, I, we, can't, we can't do this anymore. We have to leave. And he's like, what? <laughs> I signed a contract. <laughs> I gave my word. Don't you understand what that yeah. means? And he, you know, sort of brings her up, uh, chases her essentially up the stairs. And when she's like swinging the bat and then ends up hitting his hand and hitting him in the head, he falls down unconscious. She drags his ass to the ice locker, which, good job, Wendy. That was badass. Yeah, it's fucking thinking on your feet. <laughs> As he starts to wake up, she's locking him in. And then uh, this is the second time, I think, uh, she, you know, goes out to try to, you know, get in the cat and get out. But mm -hmm. he had already booby-trapped the cat, as it yeah, were. cut all the ignition water um, and shit. And at this same point, Dick Halloran is getting some bad vibes over in Florida, I think he is. And then uh, he comes back to help Danny because Dick Halloran's a badass superhero who just in this particular yeah, film ends up dying. Uh, God. Okay. One biggest bitch fit. Okay. There's two, but this is my biggest one. Him dying in the fucking movie. He doesn't die. He is such a huge part of the end of the beginning of fucking Doctor Sleep. That's yeah, uh, such yeah. bullshit. I do like how they resolve that in the film, but I still think the the novel of Doctor Sleep is just, it's like another must read. You've got to read. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's Absolutely. Great. Um, okay, so uh, let me think. Uh, when Jack is in there, he hears the bartender telling him, look, uh, you're not doing what we told you to do. You need to correct them more severely and uh we're not sure if you're up to the task and he's like no i'm i'm up to the task I, i'm i'm good for this let's just get you know I, she locked me in here <laughs> just get me out it's what cool man i'll kill my yeah. family and then the door opens he walks out no one's there but he's free and so that's kind of the second time where you're like oh, okay they're real it's not just in his head there really are shit like that crazy ghosts here or something um and so what i I keep wanting to go back to the, the novel view of the film. I'm going to try to stave off a little bit longer here. Um, and so that's when uh, once uh, 
So Dick comes in after he gets out. He ends up killing Dick Halloran um, as he's shouting and chasing after um, the two of them. That's when Danny is like, red rum, red rum, red rum, and wakes up his mom, who, after having locked her... Like, was that after he locked her up and she, like, took a nap? No. When was no, that? I, I thought that happened before. Okay, that might have happened before. I'm getting it mixed up now. Do you want to... <laughs> Trying to... Anyway, well, fuck, now I'm questioning. I just watched the fucking. Thing, I know. So did I. This is crazy. Anyway, um, Jack comes up to the suite where uh, Wendy is trying to have Danny like shove out the bathroom window. Mm -hmm. She tries to go out herself. She can't. And we get that great scene that is just amazing. And if it wasn't for Jack Nicholson's just impromptu wordplay, would not maybe be as powerful as it is throughout history. But he's breaking down the door. She can't get out the window as she tells Danny to run, who then runs back in the house. Dumbass. Uh, anyway, tells Danny to run. She's hiding but with, uh, you know, against the wall that the door opens from with the knife. And Jack busts open part of the door with his axe, sticks his face in, and screams, Here's Johnny! Which... Again, it was yeah, just I mean, Jack Nicholson ad-libbing, which ends up being, and it, you know, it's from the Johnny Carson show, it's the Ed McMahon line. Yeah. So it's not like it was some special thing, but it was enough of a pop culture reference for the characters in that time that uh, it made sense that that would be a great ad-lib line. Mm -hmm. And it's now pervasive throughout all of pop culture. Oh, yeah. His yeah, most people don't even know where that fucking line came from. They yeah. just know that, oh, yeah, The Shining. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, kind of. No, not really. I mean, he made it super popular, but a few years yeah. before that, it was really popular by its own right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we get the, the real descent into chasing down everyone and trying to murder everyone. And, and that's where the film pretty much wraps itself up, where um, Wendy, Jack ends up leaving after Wendy cuts his hand and, like, chasing around looking for Danny. You know, uh, for some reason, Danny ran back in the house, and then once his dad was down the hall, runs right out in front of him across the hall as uh, he chases him outside, and then eventually into the maze, which, again, big difference between book and... and yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it definitely makes a lot more sense with the movie, yeah. though. So as Danny is chased around in the maze by Jack... Uh, and does a really great sort of chase trick of backing mm -hmm. up in his own footprints and then jumping off trail. Uh, his mom is running through the Overlook, seeing all of the ghosts that live there in some very interesting sequences. <laughs> oh, yeah. But her performance through running through those halls, seeing her face as she's witnessing all those atrocious events. Like, I learned of Shelley Duvall from like a PBS series that she was in where she like play acted fairy tales and stuff no shit this is cute nice little lady and then to go from that to this it was night and day she really has acting chops and so my oh, complaints yeah. early on is that it's Shelley Duvall playing Wendy she is Wendy in that moment like, mm -hmm. once she starts being terrorized she turns into Wendy it's not just an actor actor playing yeah. a, a role yeah um, no that, that was that seemed like real fear yeah, and then uh, Danny escapes uh, by that trick. Jack, Jack freezes his ass to death. Danny and Wendy jump in Dick Halloran's cat, and they escape, and that's the movie. So mm -hmm. let's talk about some of the differences between the film and the book. Um, All right. 
and again, these are just 10 differences from the novel to film based on one article. Uh, mm -hmm. But there are a ton of differences. There are a shit ton. That's why Stephen King fucking hates this movie. Yeah. Like, with a passion, anytime anybody brings it up, he's like, fuck this shit. <laughs> like, he hates it so much so that he pulled fucking Mick Garris out of his back pocket like he usually does and was like, yeah, I hate this, so you're going to go ahead and remake it for TV. And it's going to be exactly my book. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> yeah, there was a um, a weird. Um, actually, this film was the first time they introduced me to the idea of people dressing up like animals and having sex. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I never. I, I think that's how it is for a lot of people. It never even entered my realm of thinking until I saw it. I was just like, oh, <laughs> 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 that's weird. <coughs> um, okay, so the nature of the haunted hotel is very different from the novel to the film. Again, as the film, Definitely. it's a setting where you have ghosts in, but you're not 100% sure through the majority of the film whether or not it's all just Jack losing his mind or whether it's the ghosts in the hotel messing with him. In the novel, the hotel itself is the entity. Right? Yeah. yeah, and it just takes on different forms to mm -hmm. meet different things that it needs. Yeah, because in the Stephen King Cosmos, the Overlook's it, right? The, the Overlook's what? It. No. Oh, really? I thought it was. No. No, it's, it's one, it one of the... Was one of the places there he would touch down or something? Because there no. was a relationship, I thought. There is a relationship, because there's different creatures like that. Ah. Um, no, Pennywise, he touched down there, Okay. You know, the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, but there was another creature that laid down there. And, you know, when they built on top of it and all that shit, that's when it took over. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, it's it's a part of that whole, you know, good versus evil mm -hmm. cosmic uh, world that Stephen King built, which mm -hmm. I always find very interesting whenever you get to find little connections between different novels of his. Oh, my uh, God. Which yes. is so great. Um, uh, so... Uh, the hotel itself being an entity that in the book it 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 wanted to use Jack to get mm -hmm. to Danny mm -hmm. like he didn't he didn't care in the book it very much seems like the ghosts just want Jack to kill them but yeah the because truth, it wasn't powerful enough to kill them itself right but the motivation behind it just seemed like he needed to prove that he was strong enough to be one with the hotel rather mm -hmm. than in the book, there's a moment when the hotel's like, no, or he learns that the hotel didn't want him. They didn't think he was special. It actually wanted his son and that his son was special. And he got super jealous about that and pissed off. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's how they end up getting away. Yeah. Because Jack, you know, he's at that brink where he's getting ready to kill them and then snaps out of it. And it's like, leave now. I'll take care of this. And then that's when he goes down to the boiler or the broiler room fucking makes the hotel explode yeah um and then uh main characters writing projects are different so in the film they never really address what jack is supposed to be writing or what he's doing in the novel jack is actually a playwright trying to write his play until he finds this box of old box of old photos and newspaper clippings about the overlook and then he decides to start writing about the overlook and he contacts his friend who got him the job but his friend who got him the job is part of this sort of higher up 
uh, almost a conspiracy to tamp down the truth of this place uh, mm -hmm. and the true history about it and like threatens him like don't you dare write about this i trusted you jack i stuck my neck out for you how could you even try and uh you know that's where jack is sort of um uh presented by the hotel is saying look we want you we want you to be one of us we want you mm -hmm. we need you and then he realizes later again that it's not really him that it wants badly it's danny because danny shines and it wants to eat the shine like it wants to yeah. consume it uh which i thought was really awesome um J john's motivation in the book for his book is different john's motivation in the book for his book is different Oh, yeah, that's what you're just talking about. Okay, I, my notes here are all jumbled. That's weird. Okay, so uh, the famous twins, not in the book. Nope. Not at all. Now, it did have a scene of Well, Mr. the funny Grady. thing is they're not even twins. Yeah. It was, Everybody yeah. always refers, them, uh, refers to them as the Grady twins. Yeah. They're fucking two years apart. <laughs> and it even says that blatantly in the movie, that they were eight and ten. Yeah. But whatever. <laughs> hey, they're in the same dress. Equal they time. totally are. And one of these years, when it's not too fucking cold, that's what Jen and I are going to be for Halloween. That's awesome. It's sweet. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, the scene of the Grady um, murder of his kids was in the book, mm -hmm. uh, if memory serves. And it was, it was you know, as gruesome as Stephen King ever gets. The Bleeding Elevator, not in the book at all. Nope, that was all Kubrick. And you needed it because it was great. It's, again, one of those iconic scenes that, you know, aside from the twins, not twin twins, standing in the hallway, meeting Danny for the first time, or, um, well, not the first time, because he, he met him in the game room when he first went yeah. there. Yeah, um, uh, what, what other icon iconic scenes are there? There's the, the elevator, the, the blowjob on the bed, the hedge maze Well, the blowjob, definitely. I mean, I can't tell you how many t-shirts I've seen of the blowjob scene. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really hard not to buy it every time I see one. That's oh, just, just fucking funny. I think Jana has one, actually. Oh, really? uh, but, and then, like, the scene where uh, Danny's running through the hedge maze. Yeah. Like, that's just fucking beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, since we're talking about the fucking hedge maze, okay. that's not in the book either. Nope. They're hedge animals. Yeah. And they're actually really fucking scary. Yeah, and they chase they Danny's ass down and almost kill him. <laughs> Like, that's what I thought Numerous was Numerous so times, terrible. actually, too. That's yeah. the thing. Like, it comes after him numerous times. Yeah, that whole scene with him being trapped under the snow in the swing set mound of snow with the creature trying to get him in there. I was terrified. Yeah, that shit was fucking scary. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was the worst thing ever. But, yeah, I mean, that's a huge, huge difference between these. Mm -hmm. The reason why they can't go out is because they don't know if the hedge animals are going to get them. Yeah. Versus... Oh, we just need a, a, a mode of travel, you know, mm -hmm. in the snow. Like, eh, all right. I think it's scarier with the hedge animals, but whatever. Uh, but there was a garden in the book, so I guess... Yes, there was definitely a garden. Hedge um, the whole quote, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, was actually a proverb from 1659. It was first published in uh, James Howell's Proverbs in English, Italian, French, and Spanish. So I don't know if you guys knew that or not. I did not, but I thought that was I, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Either. I just assumed they made it up for the show, but no, it is actually an existing proverb for hundreds of years. Um, 
Here's Johnny, again, wasn't in the book. Jack Nicholson made it up on the spot. The main character's deaths are completely different. We already mentioned uh, Dick Halloran. In the movie, died in the book, lived um, mm -hmm. Jack Nicholson. Bit it in the book, but differently, right? Yep. And you already mentioned that um, briefly with the hotel being blown up. Yep. Uh, earlier. Uh, Wendy gets away. Uh, Dick gets away. Um... Everything else is pretty much the same because there are no other main characters. <laughs> yeah, there, there's four people. So everything is yeah. virtually different uh, except for Wendy and Danny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they both get away. Yeah. Um, again, the main characters are different. So um, Jack in the book is much worse. You get so to know a little better. bit about his dad uh, through some uh, you know, inner monologues, um, just a little bit. But he's like a violent guy. And, mm. and that's why I love Dr. Sleep so much is because you got to see that through Danny living oh, yeah, out Jack's own behaviors. Um, and Wendy, she was blonde, stunningly beautiful, and very headstrong in the book. Mm -hmm. Not so in the film. <laughs> no. She was the, a ragdoll. The exact fucking opposite. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, and that's, uh, that's kind of the main differences. There's a bunch of smaller differences like the the motivation um for jack turning was because of that scrapbook of of and photos that he found in the boiler room which made him want to write about the overlook instead and got him out of his writer's block in the book um he was a playwright trying to get over his writer's block and so that's why he went up to the overlook in the movie never addressed at all just that he had yeah. writer's block he was writing something but that was it yeah basically they just alluded to the fact that he was a teacher and then he got fired yeah um, any other main differences you you notice between the two? <clears throat> um, nothing major. Just all like little stupid, nitpicky things. Um, yeah. Like the one thing I will give them is they kind of got Tony right, so that yeah. was cool. Because yeah, I, was... like I guess really the the way they got Tony right was when he was talking to the doctor. Um, right. Because, I mean, that's how it's explained in the book that Tony lives in his mouth. Little boy lives but in his mouth. you can't see him because he'll hide. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in the book, Tony is, yeah, I mean, that's still the case. But when he does come talk to Danny, there's a uh, corporeal manifestation of Tony that actually comes out and talks to him. Yeah. Um, that's something that I don't necessarily think it would have made it better. Or made the movie better, so I understand why. They no, yeah, I think it also would have things. confused it even more. Yeah, yeah, because you got in the book, you get a lot more backstory of Tony before they even go up to the Overlook. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, Sean brought up something very interesting because there's a lot of scenes that were kept out, of course, from the film mm -hmm. based on the book. There's a hornet's nest scene in the book that was great mm -hmm. and terrifying, where he actually uh, took some hornet's nests like killing spray to deal with this hornet's nest. And then Danny, I think Danny asked for the hornet's nest or something. And he, Jack was convinced he'd killed all the hornets in it. And so yeah. he left it in his fucking room. <laughs> and then he woke up and gotten stung a bunch. Yeah. And then he, they actually took him down to town. Um, and then there was a doctor that got involved in stuff and, you know, in Danny and everything. Um, there was also, uh, um, this really interesting scene at the very beginning when Wendy, Danny, and Jack go up to the Overlook to uh, move in, basically, and they meet Dick mm -hmm. Halloran. Uh, Dick actually takes Danny into his truck 
and they're having a conversation in their truck, which starts to get a little bit animated, and Wendy is just like okay with it. Well, I mean, it was a different time. This is the 70s, dude. It's, it's cool. He's no, he's no black man. What the fuck is he going to do? Touch Teach him wiener, things that's of life? No, do. no, they didn't do that in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, that's no. That, that, like, skipped a whole decade. <laughs> their, their connection in the book is a lot stronger than um, yeah. they can allude to in this. But, I mean, of course, it's also just a time thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not enough time to take a book this fucking thick yeah. and squeeze it into two hours, basically. Yep. Um, oh, I remember the other uh, big difference. Like, it's really, ultimately, it's not that big of a difference, but it's that big enough of a difference that I'm going to bring it up. Um, the axe wasn't in the book. It was a fucking crochet mallet. Hmm. Or, yeah, that's what he was crochet taking. Crochet Yeah, whatever. Um, that's not crochet. Croquet. Croquet, there we go. Crochet. Fuck, whatever. That's what I said was crochet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what he used to um, chase everybody around the house because, mm-hmm. of course, he got it in the uh, like in the hedge animal area. Yeah. Which, I mean, ultimately, I think Kubrick did the better thing of using an axe. That's a lot fucking scarier. Mm-hmm. I love Kubrick's use of um, period music in this film like when jack goes into the ballroom and the ballroom's on fire like not on fire literally but like there's a big party going on on the new year's eve party um the music that's playing and at the beginning of eyes wide shut when the couple goes to um the guy's uh, christmas party and there's that same jazzy uh dancing music playing hey i love it so much oh yeah i can't help well, it <clears throat> and he took that shit wicked serious like he actually had um I forget what the title was in the credits, but he actually had like a consultant specifically on 1920s style music. So he made sure that the period was like 100% accurate. Like there's a fucking film credit for that. Yeah. I think that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, But aside from the film being fantastic, aside from it being different from a fantastic book that it was based (laughs) off of, there's also a whole bunch of like conspiracy theories about this film. Fuck yes, there is. <laughs> oh there's my a whole God, that... documentary made about it. Yes, and if you haven't fucking seen it, you need to stop what you're doing after this. Obviously, um, <clears throat> it's on Amazon Prime. If you have a IFC Unlimited or whatever the fuck it is subscription, hmm. um, so sign up for it. Thirty days on Prime. It's free. It's called Room Two Thirty Seven. Fucking shit is it good. Yeah, it's great. You get it, to relive the overlook uh, on mm-hmm. footage from the time. Oh, yeah. Which is just fucking awesome. All, all compiled oh. with um, random interviews of conspiracy theorists. It is amazing. Yeah. Like, just little quick tidbits. Like, you're going to find out that the movie is based on the genocide of the Native American population. Um, you're going to find out that... there's a that, lot of rugs. Native American Well, rugs. and... and Calumet baking soda. I mean, that's yeah. Duh, yeah. Everybody fucking knows that. Yeah. <coughs> um, it's also a Nazi film, of course. Um, See, Kubrick always wanted always... to make a Holocaust film, and he never got the opportunity um, for whatever reason, or he never had the right script for whatever reason, and so he planted little, like uh, Nazi uh, World War Two Easter eggs into everything that he did. Is the theory, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
That was just Kubrick, like he does weird shit. Um, the space one is just the best. Yeah, yeah, that that's definitely my favorite. Is this was his apology slash admittal or admittance, whatever. I just, fucking words are hard. Yeah. Um, that he faked the moon landing of the Apollo Eleven mission. If anyone could have shot it well, it would have been him. Oh yeah, no, they they go very in depth on like how it was done mm-hmm. and why he covered it up <coughs> and then said sorry with the shiny. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really, really funny how anyone who watches these films can take literally any meaning they want from them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Kubrick's, you, he, he's always like that because it's always open-ended, especially in the mm-hmm. final scene of uh, this film where it zooms down the hall into the photo from, I think it's like 1921 or something like that, mm-hmm. and it shows Jack front and center. Yeah. Like he was always there, like Grady said. You've always been the caretaker here, sir. Um, so it, I, Kubrick was really great with always presenting these ideas that, made you stop and question not only what you just watched but Mm -hmm. where the story is actually meant to be going because if this was just a ghost story where the hotel um i mean where uh, jack turned insane tried to kill his family uh, and then froze to death and died why would he be in a photo on the wall and Mm -hmm. why did no one ever notice that photo before and so was it planted after the fact due to some weird ghost time warp thing did Frankenfurter come down from transsexual transfer Transylvania and put it there and then fly back out? I mean, I believe it. We don't know. We don't. Well, know. Kubrick was uh, notorious too for um, anytime he would do a, a book adaptation, he would usually leave out the last chapter. Yeah. Um, which this is no exception because the last chapter in the book is what happens after they leave. Um, and just like Clockwork Orange, which there is nothing wrong with that fucking movie at all. Like that is, I would probably, it's definitely top five movies of all time. Like it has to be like perfect in every way. Um, but if you look at the book, like the novella, like he left out the last chapter, like what we got with a Clockwork Orange is the original American Novelization, uh, not novelization, but American release um, versus like the proper UK release of A Clockwork Orange because um, there's not that abrupt ending of Alex, you know, just being, ah, fuck, oh shit, everything sucks. No, he gets redemption. He comes back from everything and wow. it's a happy ending. I've never read that novella. Interesting. It's, it's fucking rough. Okay. Like, if uh, you can't understand proper queen's english yeah it is difficult as shit to read i can do an audiobook i can figure it out i I, that's probably the way i'd go to be honest audiobooks let me go um okay is there anything else you wanted to hit on as far as i don't know conspiracy notes or book differences or the film itself before we uh give our favorite and worst least shit i don't know um how much time you got you got all night man i'm I'm joking i can seriously talk like two three hours on the fucking um, room 237 mm. god that's that just great. you should everyone it, should see it yeah everybody seriously go see it it is batshit crazy 
I don't know where the fuck they found these people. Mm. Rodney Asher is like my fucking hero for doing stuff like this. <laughs> like, it seems like that's all he does is random documentaries where there's yeah. zero footage of the interviewees. Mm. It's just clips. Like, The Nightmare, fucking fantastic. Um, now, <coughs> I, I, think, I think I'm pretty good on everything. Okay. Well, what was your favorite part of this film? Okay. So favorite part's really difficult because it kind of depends on what we're talking about. Right. Uh, if we're talking about acting, um, definitely, I mean, just like you, the scene where he snaps and he talks to Lloyd and he relapses. Like, that is a just... Fun, like, I get goosebumps every time mm -hmm. I watch it. I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about it. That That's is the COVID. just it's That's probably the COVID. Um, <clears throat> just fucking perfect. Um if we're talking visuals, and I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this scene and why I think it's just so fucking beautiful, but seriously, like, the 30, 40 seconds we get of Dick just walking down the hallway, the entrance of the hotel, um, and the steady cam just staying back yeah. so you can watch him with his fucking bow-legged ass walk and shit. Like, that is <laughs> right before Jack gets him. It's just, it's beautiful. Like, that... That's really all I can say. It's just a beautiful fucking scene. That's why I think it's so shocking when you suddenly hear Jack go, I just yeah, see him it, swing out. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's going to happen. Because you were yeah, in a trance yeah. just watching him the whole time. Yeah, it's it's insane. Just, Man. God, it's fucking beautiful. Um, I think my favorite has got to be that bar scene mm -hmm. where he relapses. It's just, it's such a perfect, perfectly acted scene. Mm -hmm. It's so brilliant. The, the dialogue... <laughs> few foot pounds per second per second yeah so good <laughs> yeah looking so great uh, uh, have a good night Aaron um yeah so uh worst what's their least favorite and if not okay. worst because you don't hate it but what's I have favorite? one scene in this entire movie that bugs the fuck out of me um it's the scene right before he fucking takes the axe to the door where he's doing the I'm a just the shit that he does with his lips bugs the fuck out of me. I mean, I get it. I get it. He's insane. Like, that's part we're of the doing character. doing the nursery rhyme thing? We're doing the... I, I, can't, I don't even know how to do it, but, like, that shit that he does with his lips, it's like, oh, don't do that. What the fuck is wrong with you? Just kill them. And I'll puff. But, yeah, that's... So that's good. it. <laughs> if there was a bitch that I had about the movie yeah. that had nothing to do with the book versus the movie and it's just that see for me um it's when wendy is talking to the doctor at the very beginning of the film because i still see her as shelly duvall at that point no matter how many times i've watched it um and she's explaining why well and it ended up being a really good thing because he hasn't touched any alcohol and the way she says alcohol Drives me insane. Weird. I hate it so much. I just want to grab her face and poke her stupid bulgy eyes out <laughs> until later when I fall back in love with her. But in that mm. moment, I'm just like, who says it like that? <laughs> yeah. Alcohol. It's like she's stumbling over it as the actress, and they just kept that take. Mm. It doesn't make any sense at all. Oh, just, oh, I hate it so much. Alcohol? Fuck you. Fuck your alcohol. Yeah, no, that yeah. bugged me a lot. <laughs> but other than that, great. <laughs> I love such, it all. Such a good movie. So how many banana stickers are you giving this motherfucker? Oh, well, this is straight up four out of four. Yep. 
Like, there's there's no fucking argument. This is one of the greats. Like, mm-hmm. definitely top three Kubrick, just plain and simple. Yeah, um, but this sure. is one of those movies that is just going to live forever. Like, this is basically like our generation's universal monsters. Mm-hmm. Like, it will never die. Um, it will always be considered a classic, and it will be constantly remembered. Like, it's just... Yeah. A great fucking movie. Um, I I turn it on sometimes just so I can just have. I know I'm not going to have enough time to watch it all, but I just mm-hmm. want to be exposed to. I want to be near it. It's like a, an old girlfriend or something, and maybe you have their sweater laying around, and you just huff in the sweater, remembering. That's how I like to experience this film because I always want to be around it, and it's never always around me. And so I'll turn it on. And, like, I'll have family members going through the house. And it's gotten to the point where my daughter loves this film. And she's far too young for some of the scenes. But she's still... No, and fuck no. <laughs> and she'll turn on this and Dr. Sleep on her own accord all the time. Because she gets fucking cool. Yeah, Evil Dead too, to be fair. But um, it's just, like, she just loves it. And mm. I love that she loves it because I love it. And I love her. And it just... This, is, this show about a man trying to kill his family brought my family together we shared hey, it happens <laughs> it happens it was so great man oh i loved it so much okay um that's all i have for this is there anything else you want to touch on before we end this thing uh i just can't stress enough like you guys need to watch room 237 yeah and if you've seen it once like, see it again what's the, yeah what's it, no seriously like i watch that shit all the fucking time mm-hmm. love it yeah I've, how many different versions of the shining have you owned because I've, I've done the VHS, uh, I think, twice. I've done multiple was, rentals in my youth. And I've had the DVD, and I bought the 4K digital. Um, I think it's in 4K. I think, I'm pretty sure. <coughs> I want to say, like, the Kubrick Shining. I've probably had, I think, three different versions of it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I didn't know there was a 4K restoration. Um, I'll uh, have to look. Don't at quote that. me on that. I think Apple TV has a 4K version of it because I bought oh. it on Apple TV, and I think I'm almost positive. We'll have to check because if there's um, one with like deleted scenes added into it, I don't have that, and I fucking need it. It's a 147 yeah. or 142 minute version mm-hmm. um, that is currently on Google Play, but you can probably get it on Apple or, or wherever you yeah, get your I'll, anyway. I'll have to look up definitely. Um, um, and yeah, dog. No, I totally feel you on that. Like, um, there's no such thing as a children's book. If a child will fucking read it, it's a child's book. Right. Like I was reading alien novels when I was in like third grade, mm-hmm. and those are third grade books. <laughs> a lot of sex and violence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Is there anything else you want? I was about to go off on spirals, but um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about uh, for this particularly? No, I think I'm good. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us in the chat room live. Uh, we really appreciate you guys' comments. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry we didn't get to them all, but there was a period where you guys were like bantering about the standard Bible at some point, and I I didn't I couldn't navigate those waters and talk about this at the same time. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> definitely would, not. I would definitely uh, capsize at that point. Um, but if you appreciate these shows and you like what we have, uh, we're bringing you. I know two of you guys have recommended at different intervals Death Wish. We'll get to it eventually. Fuck Just yes, relax. We will. we will get to it. We are, um, we're gonna get there. But if there are shows that you guys want us to talk about, shoot us an email, info at reverendcampbell.com. 
Let me know uh, what you want us to talk about, and if we can fit it into an episode, we will. Um, thank you, Cameron. As always, it's always great to of chat course. with you, I'm glad we finally got to do this. I had a dream about you the other night. Oh, really? Yeah. Was it a sexy dream? It, we're going to talk about it afterward. Hell yeah. It got, it got <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I, it, it's just because we can't hang out. We're just this I know, is the only time we get to stupid. see each other. It's, it's fucking, fucking stupid. It's insane. It's nice that we get to see each other every week, but yeah. it's like still through a stupid lens. I don't know. Lame. I can't even touch the lens. It's not close. <laughs> I didn't touch it because I don't want fingerprints. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, like and subscribe. The, like the video. Share it if you want to share it. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Sign up to the email list if you want to hear about what shows we got going on and stuff. I know some people don't like getting all the emails that they send out, so I don't feel bad if you unsubscribe to the email list. I understand it. If you do want to get notified of all the different things, the email list is a good way of doing it. Um, and, of course, you can always check out the RSS feed for this if you want to do this in an audio version, because tomorrow I'm going to be converting it to audio and putting it up on the podcast feed. You just go to wherever you get your podcasts and search Reverend Campbell, and it will be there sometime tomorrow. So... Thank you all so much for tuning in to another Satanist on Cinema. It is always great to have you. And until next time, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Again. God damn it. I didn't talk about the backwards symbolization. Oh, shit. I know. God shit. damn it. We can still go live again, right? We can turn it back on. Yeah, fuck it. Let's, let's do it.